We're talking about love uh, a lot this year, and especially as we think about the subject of the theme of one another. And we've been kind of introducing and setting up this idea and really focusing on these two words separately, and we're going to work a little bit by putting them together. If you haven't been here before, if you're just catching up to this series, uh, the, the idea basically is the first idea of one means that we're focusing on God being one and how we love him vertically with all of our heart, whole soul, mind, and strength, which is what God wants us to do. That was the essence of all the commands. And then the second is the another part where we love one another, Christ in us, to love as Christ loved us, meaning personally, as well as sacrificially. Now that sounds good, but as we know it's uh, with so many things, it's not the information, it's the application that makes the difference. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, I want you to open to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. We're kind of doing a textual series as we begin today focusing on this aspect of one. We're going to be in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Now, to set it up, if you, it's been a little while since we've studied Ephesians. Ephesians is a short book, a prison epistle, uh, written by Paul. And in the first three chapters of this tiny book, he sets up a lot of deep theology, powerful prayers, a focus on unity and a call to who we are to be. It's, uh, it's a wonderful, deep, uh, rich theological studies, chapters 1, 2, and 3. And then we step into chapters 4, 5, and 6, and he takes the information and he moves from application. He moves from the message into the method. He moves from the talk into the walk. You see, both of these things are connected, and we've got to make sure that we get our theology right and our understanding right But we also have to make sure we put that into practice in the right way. And that's what we know about love. We think about when we, uh, as we study through this passage, I want you to understand that he's moving from head into hands. He's moving uh, from understanding into application. And so that will help us as we understand. I want you to think about the connection between your message, and your method. Uh, There's an old, probably you've heard this story before, Uh, there was a man who was trying to give his dog some medicine. And there was a couple problems with that. First, the, the medicine was not a pill, okay, which is a little bit easier to administer to a dog. This was a liquid. And so he had it in the bottle and he was trying to put it in the spoon, trying to get the dog to, to take the liquid. It wasn't really working. The, the second problem was the, the canine was reluctant. If you've ever tried to give a dog medicine, you may understand what, what the problem is here. Sometimes those dogs don't want to take that which they really need. And so the man struggles with the dog and he tries to find the way to get the dog held just right and get the, the dog's mouth open and at the same time get the medicine in and it just wasn't working. And in the struggle, he spilled the medicine right on the floor and exasperated, he lets the dog go and the dog now being free goes and licks the medicine up off the floor. <laughs> That's a simple and silly illustration to say your method matters. 
You can have the perfect theology, but fail in the application of it. And, and both are important, hear me squarely, but we need to focus on making sure, not that just that we have the right doctrine and the right teaching, but that we have the right application and practice of that love toward one another. So, by now you should be in Ephesians chapter 4, as we think about how to go about this in the right method. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. He starts by saying, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. Now, this is uh, important. I mean, prisoner for the Lord is not... uh, Difficult to understand. He's writing from prison. He's writing as a prisoner. But he's, there's a reason that he uses that term. Because he doesn't, sometimes he says, Paul, an apostle called by God. This is not the term he uses. He calls himself a prisoner. And that brings to mind a lot of things. And Paul was suffering on behalf of Christ. Paul had given up everything that he had been called to and trained in as a Pharisee under Gamaliel, as a Hebrew of Hebrews. He had laid all of that down, and now here he sat as a prisoner for the Lord. That's a very humble example. He's leading with humility. He wasn't doing it from a role of apostolic authority. Of course, he certainly had that right. But he starts by saying, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. And then he uses the phrase, I urge you. Okay? He's not commanding them. He's not dictating. He's not mandating. And see, we understand this is important. Just right here in these first few verses, Paul does something. He had the right to say, I'm an apostle. You will do as I say. You will follow my commands. I was called by the Lord Jesus himself. And that's not the approach that Paul takes. His approach is much more humble. Uh, If you were paying attention to the prayer this morning, Albert used the term humble. Some of the most successful, and and, and I'm going to define that by God's definition of success, some of the most successful people I know are the most humble. They are wildly successful in business, and you would never know it. They don't have to spend all their time telling you how, they're, how successful they are. Some of the most successful husbands and wives and fathers and mothers, people who raise great kids, hardly ever talk about them. They don't have to brag on their kids. Their kids, their results, the fruit speaks for itself. People who are wildly successful, I don't know what it is, but they are tremendously humble. You can't get them to go on and on about themselves. You can't talk to them for too long before they're asking about you. They're turning the conversation the other way. Paul is approaching his leadership with great humility, saying, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. Humility is to be a posture of God's people, first and foremost, obviously, toward God. The idea, the concept of the fear of the Lord, humbling yourself before the Lord. But that bleeds over into your humility with one another. So we have to think about Paul's example as he writes to them what he wants from them. That he's not just telling them, he's showing them humility. 
So if you're writing a point down, I, I would just write number one. I'd write stay humble. That's important. No matter where you go, no matter how successful you get, no matter how much money you make, no matter how successful your kids are, you need to stay humble. To remember whose you are. Paul says, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. And I could tell you, I could command you, I could write it out, I could, I could, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to urge you gently. Humility is the posture of God's people. If you're following along in your Bible, wouldn't you note Romans chapter 3, Romans 12 chapter 3, uh, old preacher told me, I thought this was always good, he said, Romans chapter 6 will tell you how to become a Christian, Romans chapter 12 will tell you what to do to remain a Christian. Romans chapter 12, again, very practical application. Again, Paul writing, and he says this, For by the grace, this is page 1215, if you don't know where Romans 12 is, he says, For by the grace given to me, note again his humility here, Paul had a lot. He was trained. He was intelligent. People knew who he was. He had political clout. He had religious uh, uh, legacy. When Paul, when Saul walked in a room, people knew who he was. What does he say? By the grace given to me, I say to everyone that you not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. We are called to be humble. And the way that you do that is by thinking about and considering the grace that he has poured out to you. Grace is a gift that you didn't earn, nor do you deserve. I like what one guy said. He said, if heaven's not a gift, I am not getting in. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. That's grace. Paul says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone to not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Let's continue in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, uh, Prisoner, therefore, the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. When we think about humility... That affects the way in which we walk. If you're, if you're coming to Bible class, and I hope that you are, we're studying Luke. Luke, as we've been through chapter 1, this, this story of Mary. What is Mary's attitude when she's told what's going to happen? This great blessing that's going to be poured out through her. This young virgin, probably a teenage girl. And she's faithful to the Lord, but she doesn't know how this is going to work. And her response to Gabriel is, I am the Lord's servant. That's humility. That's walking with humility. Peter in Acts chapter 1, uh, when he's, there are uh, people from Cornelius, Cornelius and his household, and they go to worship Peter. They go to fall in reverence to Peter. And he says, no, stand up. I am only a man myself. These are attitudes of humility. Okay, continuing on, he says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Now, if you know Scripture and you've studied that, um, you know that the idea of a walk is not the physical act of 
you know, taking 5,000, 10,000 steps a day. A walk is a reference to your life. That as you, and this is in the old and the new, when talking about walking, it's talking about how you live. And he says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Worthy who, of the calling, consider who called you. Okay, Christ called you. Now Christ, when he calls a man, he never leaves him the same. He never leaves her the same. Jesus is a from-to kind of Messiah. He's a from-to. He changes from a fisherman to a fisher of men. He changes a, a, a haughty Pharisee to a humble prisoner. You see what Jesus does? He, he changes people and he, he calls them higher, but in the process of calling them higher, oftentimes he brings them lower. Paul says, remember to walk in a manner worthy of that calling. Jesus has a better calling for you and I. In Proverbs, if you've been reading through the uh, daily Bible reading, I'm uh, again and again struck by this proverb that says, uh, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I'm a planner, I'm a type A, I have goals and lists and all of that stuff. And all that's fine, especially if you're a type A, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Jesus had better things in mind for his disciples than even they did. He saw something in them that they didn't even see in themselves. It was the calling. And Paul says... I want you to walk in a manner, live in a manner worthy of that calling. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes again, this is page 1260 if you're still following. He says, so walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so as you're walking, you're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord who called you. And then he points us to some very practical steps in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, with all humility, there's that word again, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So the first is humble yourself. The second is watch your walk. Make sure you're walking in a manner worthy of who Christ called you to be, and the final is to mind your manner. Some of you may not have heard this, so I'll just go ahead and step ahead of the rumor mill. Um, Christy has, um, she's been eating at Popeye's. And so um, this last Friday we went to a marriage conference just, just teasing. We did go to a marriage conference. Um, the marriage conference was really good. It was very practical. And we do about once a year. We'll just go to a, find a marriage conference and go. And I usually use that for some sermon series material and just a time for us to get away. But you know what's interesting about marriage conferences? It's a lot of good information. This one was especially good. And I have pages full of outlines filled out. I mean, just it's all there. 
Bible verses and all sorts of stuff in the material. But, but when it comes to a marriage conference, what's going to impact a marriage is not the information, but the application. I can know those verses backwards and forwards, but when it comes to Ephesians chapter 5, usually when people read Ephesians chapter 5, they say, well, I hope my wife is listening to this. <laughs> I hope my husband's listening to this. Paul says, mind your manner. You have no control over your spouse's actions, over your neighbor's actions. The only person's actions that you control are yours. We're called to mind our manner, not someone else's manner. And so as we think about our relationships The only person that you can change is your manner. The only actions that you can change are yours. You know, if I can, if I can get that guy in the mirror to behave, I can be skinny and rich. It's that personal application. It's, it's it's not just information, it's application, but it's application to me. So let me ask you the questions that are hard to ask in Ephesians chapter four. Are you humble? Are you as humble as you could be? Are you gentle with other people? Are you patient as God has been patient with you? Are you persevering in love? In short, are you Christ-like? That's what he's saying. With all humility, Who, whose humility? The humility of Christ. With, with whose gentleness? The humility of, or the gentleness of Christ. With whose patience? With the patience of Christ. Loving how? As Christ loved you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Page 1303. John, the apostle of love. The disciple whom Jesus loved. He writes a lot about love. Uh, we could spend a lot of time on the letter, but I just want to focus you on one verse, chapter 2, verse 6. He says, whoever says he abides in him, and that's Christ, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. See, only our, our methods matter. It's our methods that make the difference. It's our methods that impact people. And so as we consider this, I don't want you to think about, oh, I hope somebody else is listening. I hope my spouse is listening. I hope, I hope so-and-so is watching online. I want to ask you, are you yielding to Christ and treating one another with humility, gentleness, patience, and love? Our methods matter. And so may your methods Match the Messiah's. May you humble yourself. May you watch your walk. May you mind your manner. There, there's the, the prayer, perhaps you've heard it. Dear Lord, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, selfish, nasty, or overindulgent. I'm doing pretty good. 
But here in just a minute, I'm going to get out of bed. After that, I'm going to need a lot more help. And maybe that's the point. When I talk about being humble and gentle and patient and loving, some of you are going to leave here and say, I've just got to do better. And I will humbly, gently, patiently, lovingly point you to the fact that if you try to do this on your own, you will fail. And that is why you need Christ. Now, if you're not in Christ, the way to be in Christ is to do just what he said to do. To believe and to be baptized. That's a simple step. But it's not the knowing it, it's the doing that makes the difference. And if you're in Christ, then I would ask you, are you as humble and gentle and patient and loving as Christ? And if, you, if you're struggling in that area, I'm going to encourage you to yield more fully to him, to humble yourself as Paul did to him. This morning, if you have any sort of need, we'll have our shepherds at the back, and you can head straight back during this next song. They'll be glad to pray with you and pray for you in a public way if that's needed. If you need to put on Christ in baptism, they can help you with that too. Whatever your need might be, uh, you can head straight to the back. If you have a need, uh, let's stand and sing together. Jace.